Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Well, welcome everybody. This is Ryan Clayton, the president of the Hope Collection, and want to welcome you to the Wednesday show, which focuses on nutrition. In fact, we have a special guest who is a, um, in the field of nutrition, uh, both certified and educated but she's more importantly an experienced person that helps people deal with their nutrition and, and their life when today's world is so crazy and we're hit with so much stuff. There's a new idea of the month club on the radio or television every day on how to take care of yourself. But I think we're going to get some really clear direction today with Beth and she, Beth Williams as our guest. And I'd like to welcome you to the show today, Beth. And I just want everybody to know that the Hope Collection was invented by or created by a gentleman, my best friend of 40 years, Dr. Joel Griffin. He was a PhD in math, educated man. He had been a uh, advisor, financial advisor. Don't you think we need one today for our president of the United States? For three, not one, but three. So he founded this organization, the Hope Collection, which Hope is Joel's mother. That was her name, and, and what we're trying to do, as the introduction um, Gail said, we're trying to spread an opera, a program of optimism, and we provide you the tools to make your life better. Our theme is said, may, helping others by helping them help others. So the key is not to just learn something. The key is to help somebody else learn what you come to know. And so we're going to pass it on, and I'm going to turn the mic over to Beth, and we'll chat today. I know she has a program uh, some of you, she's in the middle of a series, I believe, on, on males and nutrition surrounding it. So, Beth, do you want to go ahead and take off? Again, we certainly welcome you to the show today. Yeah, thank you, Ron. So we started last week with a series about meals, and I'm just working my way through the day. We talked all about breakfast last week. Um, and knowing Mary and I, I know there's some tangents in there, too. Um, but... Um, Today, I wanted to focus primarily on lunch, right? What makes up a good lunch, when you should be eating lunch. Um, and lunch comes with a lot of social components to it, too, that you don't necessarily see at breakfast. So it's just an added layer that needs to be navigated. Um, with meal timing, what usually happens, right, is that you want to eat within an hour of getting up and then about every three to four hours after that. So for, for a lot of people, our lunchtime is structured by our work schedule. 
And so typically lunch is you know, from 12 to 12.30 or 12 to 1, something like that, depending on how your day is structured. But it usually starts at 12. So we're usually eating at 12, um, which sometimes gets a little hairy with, like, figuring out breakfast if you've woken up at 6. But, you know, on an individual level, I usually help people navigate that to stick as closely as possible to the mealtime. Um, so we'll run with a 12 o'clock lunch since it's pretty standard. Um, it's definitely not what I do. I actually eat at like 6 a.m., 10 a.m., and then 2 p.m., so completely skipping the 12 o'clock piece. Um, so everybody's day is, is structured a little bit differently. But at lunchtime, we typically are going for like more savory foods, and this is a spot that I really like to use leftovers from dinner. Uh, this works really well if anybody is still working from home because you can just go downstairs and reheat the exact same meal that you had for dinner last night. Uh, I feel like we get really hung up on not repeating foods because variety is good and you do need variety, but repeating the same foods within a one-week span is not is not bad, right? You're not if you only ate that one meal for three meals a day, then you'd be getting into some issues. But to have the leftovers is perfectly fine. Uh, sometimes, like what comes to mind, and I didn't do it this week, but usually I'll do like a big piece of salmon at the beginning of the week, and that's great because then I can even eat it cold. Um, and use it to very cliche top a salad, so I'm getting in vegetables. But then what that meal is missing, right, if I've got a protein from the salmon and vegetables from the salad, is I don't have any kind of carbohydrate. And so you and I are talking a little bit about diabetes with started, and for everybody, including diabetics, we want to make sure that that carb intake is spread pretty evenly throughout the day. Um, so it's not low carb, it's not no carb, it's spread out evenly, and we're watching where those carbs are coming from, right? It's a difference of, like, if I paired my whatever, like, salmon and salad with Pop-Tarts, not one, it's a strange combination, but two, it's not a great source for your carbohydrates. But I could take the same amount of carbohydrates that I might get in a Pop-Tart and um, and use, like, either whole grain toast, I guess, if you wanted something, like, warm and crunchy, uh, or I could put, um, like, a half cup to even a full cup of berries on top of the salad with it, too, um, or have, like, half of a sandwich on the side to get in some of those carbohydrates. Sometimes what I'll do, too, is, um, is do some rice, with it, so it's almost like a cold bowl, I guess, at that point, if I put rice on the salad, too. And usually what I do when I make rice is I don't get so hung up on the type of rice, um, mostly because I don't like the texture of brown rice, so I know that I'm not necessarily going to go for that. But what I do instead is I do a rice quinoa blend, which you can buy it pre-blended, right? So it's dried rice and dried quinoa that you then cook. Or I just do, when I, I have a big bag of rice 
and a big bag of quinoa, and I do whatever it is. If it's two cups of water to one cup of rice, I do a half cup of rice, a half cup of quinoa, the two cups of water, and then it cooks a little bit shorter. Um, I follow the directions on the the bag of quinoa because it's like, I think like three minutes shorter cooking time than if it was rice so that it doesn't burn. But then I'm increasing the fiber, I'm increasing the protein. Um, personally, I also find quinoa really hard to like get on a fork by itself. <laughs> so I tend to mix it with other things. Otherwise, I just don't enjoy eating it. Um, and there is that enjoyment and like I'll touch on in a little bit, that social component uh, to eating. So you got to go with what you like and make it work. So my personal lens is different, I guess, because I work from home. So I can always just run down to my kitchen and heat up leftovers or pull some things together. But there are plenty of people that are back in the office and either packing lunches or um, – ordering out or going out to eat. It really depends on the culture of the office. So where I am um, in upstate New York, I'm right outside of Albany. And so the state, like the Capitol and the state buildings are one of like the big office cultures in this area. And their culture is very much to go out to eat. There are tons of little lunch places right around the Capitol. And there are actually food trucks that will come park on the plaza uh, with where all the state buildings are. And a lot of the state workers will go there for lunch. And part of it is to be able to get up and leave their desk. Um, part of it is the social interaction with their coworkers and creating those social bonds. Um, some of it is, like I said, the getting up from the desk partially for the movement and partially because they just need a break from that environment. Um, and so when I'm working with somebody, I don't change that social component because that's really important. Um, I found when I was working in an office, there's plenty of business, essentially, that comes from those non structured interactions. So I definitely don't try to change that. So if it's somebody that traditionally always goes down to the food trucks or always goes out to eat, we keep that piece of it, but then change what they're getting, right? Um, I also run into people who don't cook, so they're not going to suddenly start packing a lunch because that's just not, they don't do that. And if they're interested, we work on how to do that. But if it's somebody who really doesn't have an interest in it, we have the benefit of being surrounded by food choices. Uh, so I lean into that, and we find something that does work for them, even if it's not homemade. Um, there's plenty of other things that we can do. So what we do is a lot of times I will pull up the menu of a couple places they go, right? I'll be like, give me the three main places that you go for lunch because we're creatures of habit. Um, we tend to go to the same places over and over again and get like 
usually the same things over and over again too. So it, it sometimes feels really limiting, but it's not. I'm like, it's, it's really not. You're getting the same one thing every time you go there, but we're going to build it so you've got three options, right? I usually like to pick two or three so that they, they feel like they have a choice when they get there, even though it's already pre-planned. Um, and so this is one of those things that is very different. Like, I really like looking at the, the how piece of it. Not only can I tell you, like, okay, you need to eat lean protein and vegetables, but also I find that the biggest component is how to get there. And lunch really presents the opportunity of tons of different options. So, like, um, I don't know. I've got this, like, state worker um, sort of, like, fake person in my mind that I'm kind of working through because they are usually my, my ones with all kinds of different lunch scenarios. So if they go out to eat, it's like, okay, well, you can go to the burger place, but – there's also, like, um, you know, there's a place right next door where you can get something that's a little bit better, a little bit lower in fat, where you do get vegetable choices. So sometimes it's a matter of, like, walking next door, right? So changing the behavior pattern a little bit, but not by much. They're not suddenly going somewhere at the other end of the street or out a different door of the building. It's it's like next door um, or looking at what, like I said, what they choose when they're there. Um, one place, place in particular comes to mind, like real life scenario. They do sandwiches, but then the restaurant started also doing like bowls, right? So they're using um, some rice with their vegetables and whatever kind of protein. And this place actually does a great job with having um, vegetarian options too. So it gives some of some people like extra new things they can try and still stay on track. Uh, another great thing is if restaurants have like a lunch portion. Uh, I wish that they carry that over into dinner portions because usually lunch portions are uh, – a decent size, right? That's what it should be portioned as. So it's smaller than dinner, but dinner should also be that size. They shouldn't be that different, which we'll definitely touch on portion sizes um, when it comes to dinner because we get in this mindset that it's this huge meal and it really shouldn't be. They should all be pretty equal, um, which is a big shift because Traditionally, we're eating very light breakfasts in the morning, and then our meals kind of get heavier. Um, but if you work to get them a little bit more equal, you have you have a better like energy level throughout the day. You're constantly fueled well versus back ending your day and filling up at the end, which can also make you tired, right? If you're overeating and then you're just done and just need to lay down and digest. So that's really going out to eat. It's what are you picking? Is it looking for things on the menu that are not deep fried, right? Once it's breaded and deep fried, it just is no longer a good choice. Like you've taken something that's probably a great choice, like fish comes to mind, 
but then you bread it and deep fry it, and I'm like, it's it's gone. We've we've lost it. We've lost the point. Um, so looking for a lean protein, and this is where like if somebody's really taking notes on how to figure out what to eat for lunch, this would be the part. Uh, you're looking for a lean protein, so um, fish works really well. Any kind of poultry, so. Um, chicken, turkey work really well. You can have lean beef, right? Um, I would argue that any hamburger is probably not very lean, but but if you're doing like a cut of steak or something, if you're going to like a sit-down lunch, theoretically you could be having lean beef. Um, and pork is actually very lean, which often gets overlooked but that's certainly a choice. Or like I mentioned, the vegetarian place, they have um, tofu options. So that's always an option as well. If somebody's looking to branch out and try something new. So we've got a lean protein. You always want a vegetable. About half your plate should be vegetables. And what I consider for vegetable is, I name anything, right? Except peas, corn, and potatoes. Those three are super yeah. high in starch. Yeah. Beth, can, I, can I share a story? Um, back uh, oh, when I was uh, when I first uh, retired, um, I'd gone through a couple of medical issues. You know, I broke my fibula and my heel and my leg, and you know, just had to fix those things up. And uh, my um, primary doctor assigned a nutritionist to me. And not long after different visits with her, we started talking about you know, what my nutrition was, what I was eating. I found out um, I was having pretty much on a three-day-a-week at least, I would buy a jar of carnation uh, chocolate malt. And then I would add a scoop of chocolate to uh, milk. I make a milkshake. And I found out later by that, like, having that milkshake was like taking a bag of sugar and dumping it down my throat. Now, it was half, just so yeah. happens when I learned that, that was the week I was out. I was running out of um, that carnation instant, or not instant breakfast. This is actually straight malt, chocolate malt. Well, I was able, and I made a decision right there. Just It was easy, and, you know, and sometimes people say, well, how do you just stop? Well, I just stopped. Um, one issue that I had, she came to know, and I, I never knew this, that corn really was not a vegetable sold in the vegetable, you know, vegetable department at the grocery store. So it's a vegetable, you know. It's got green leaves on the outside and yellow corn. I found out that it's a starch and that's carbohydrate. And um, my idea yeah. of a great summer, we live here in um, upstate New York. Well, New York has some of the most fabulous corn farms and the farmers deliver fresh that you can get anywhere in the country. And, I mean, it's not just big years of corn. It's just great. In fact, we just went through the Silver Queen level. They're a late-blooming uh, corn. and um, I would eat by driving out in the road salesman, and I would go out and buy a dozen ears on the way on the way home that night. What I did is I boiled up, put the water on, salt in, boiled up a dozen ear of corn, and we might have some tomatoes with it. We might have bacon, lettuce, tomato sandwich with it. That was dinner, and that was pretty awesome because I love corn. Well, you know, when I learned that, I will say that I made a considered, um, a, a deliberate decision 
to cut back. And the first year I did was really good. Well, this summer was one of the best years for corn that you could see. And I'll tell you that there were times that we'd have corn twice a week. Now, I adjusted by eating different things or not eating as much or something. Or there were times it was so sweet I didn't put any butter, I, you know, eliminate having to even do that. But it still made an adjustment, and I had to adjust for it in my eating throughout the week so I didn't throw myself off too bad. Those were just a couple habits that I made that were major. They were major changes. Anybody that knows me about you know my love of corn and my love of chocolate malt and not going out and get chocolate malt shakes, those were some real important things. Another thing, and, and because I, I do have uh, a series of medications I take, uh, I'm not ashamed to say, and I proudly say that um, I uncovered from research which people like you make available information that's so vital. And I was learning that one of my particular uh, uh, pills that I was taking um, has significant honest exposure in the marketplace. It's the most popular diabetic pill, not shot form for type 2 diabetes. And uh, if I say that, I'll say the name. I'll take liable for it. It's called metamorphin. It was killing me for six months, well, almost three years. They were trying to control my blood sugar, and I used to prick and do all that stuff. They never could get it under eight, never. Well, I saw a commercial for Rebelfus, yeah. and this is the commercial. Ten days. I took it ten straight days, and I started out with 3.5, half a mil, half a normal dose. In ten days, my blood sugar dropped to seven. Today it runs between five and six again, depending on my on my schedule. I get blood work done monthly. Um, I'm down around five. I lost I don't know twenty five pounds. I'm at one hundred ninety nine. At six foot two, having blood pressure one twenty over seventy eight, and my blood sugar at five, my doctor is literally jumping up and down. He considers me at a seventy year old yeah. man to do what I'm doing to be very good. So I try and maintain that. I'm not saying I've got all the answers. I don't. This my circumstances I found dramatically changing and I still got a bottle of pills up there that I gotta take to the, the police take old medicine and destroy it. I gotta get rid yeah. of metformin. It almost killed me. And I'd like to encourage people um... if you're not sure if you're not sure and what you can take. Because some pills just like I can't take um, cholesterol pills, uh, whatever that, the one popular one. I took one pill and I was red, beet red from head to my toe, broken out. It took three days for them to get me under, get me cured. I can't take those medicines. I have tremendous allergies. Well, there's a company that I highly, and as part of the Hope Collection, we endorse a company called. Um, yeah, here we go. I'll come. I'll come to you in a moment. Just in a moment, I'm so excited about sharing this story. But uh, we have a company that you can get a, a swab, genetic test, and um, some insurance covers cover it. But if not, it's 200 bucks. And from your genetic test, you can get a, I don't know, some book report back for your doctor, your primary, and they'll tell your doctor what not to give you, what your genetics. Oh, really? Yes, and so um, 
We, and uh, Len Kane, one of our partners from the Golden Rule Society, the founder, original Top Gun, he runs a show on Friday. He brought us this company, and um, they are just incredible. Uh, they also are the number one producer of um, one of their divisions, besides the healthcare division. They have a division that is number one producer in the world of pharmaceutical-grade organic gummy material that they now, Whole Foods, CVS, a couple major corporations have signed contracts with them, and they're providing the sole, the, the base for what these pharmaceuticals and vitamins, food supplements are all based on. They provide it. And um, this, I'm telling you, this is incredible. So uh, I can share more another time and give you more information about that. But it's this test, this genetic test that you can get an answer my sister, they, she, a couple months ago, she's got um, MS, and uh, they took her to the hospital to do some do something, and she did give her the anesthetic. She was allergic to it. I almost lost my sister. Had she had this test beforehand, the results, and given it to her doctor, she they never would have put whatever they gave her that. They would have known that that would have been contrary to what her body can take. So I wanted to it's pass that on to you. It's amazing the things that we can learn now. Yes, we're so fortunate. And it's not that doctors are trying to kill anybody. They're not. They're they're always trying to do the best things for us. I truly believe that. If I'm going to be sick anywhere in this world, I want to be sick here because the rest of the world has to come up to our standard, and we have the best standard still in the world, even though I have some differences with the, the CDC and all that stuff. But anyways, coming back to your nutritional things, I want to share those little points that you can change. You can stop things that harm you if you just decide to do it. And I'm no guru, super athletic, uh, uh, workout guy or any of those things. I can't. After a stroke, uh, I walk with a cane. And one knee replaced, going to get the other one replaced. And they got tyrod, um, titanium, holding my ankle together. So, you know, we've just gone through those things. But we did know, do know, because we did some proper nutrition in our lives. My wife and I have taken uh, organic food, natural food supplements and vitamins for 30 years. And um, the doctor said that one of the things that helped me these are some, they could not find what they never have concluded what happened or what kind of I don't know what kind of stroke I had, but I had one they never could come put a name on it. Um, but they said that because of the nutrition that I was taking over these years, my body was positioned to be able to change and recover. So it, I, it does I, make I, a difference. Yep. Yeah, you invest now or you're going to invest later. One, one way you're going to pay. And um, and there's um, there still... are studies done, and, and I know the hospital I used to work for worked um, on a project for themselves with this, is that your um, your nutrition before, during, and after any procedure, I know the project that I worked on was specifically looking at surgery, um, your recovery and your risk of any adverse events like infections or things like that is much lower if you are if you have the proper nutrition before during and after so it definitely makes a big difference in your ability to 
um, recover from different things or even, like, survive it, right? Yes. <laughs> and we, of course, are very yeah. pleased about being able to survive. Um, and I, you know, I just encourage people um, uh, because, obviously, the result of it, Linda and I, now, my wife just retired three months ago, and I accepted her. My wife got going out to lunch with a girl. Well, that never happened before that because she worked. I don't know. Yeah. 18 years was the last um, she built patents for a um, sold fighting and uh, both sound equipment. And so she had a pretty high, very, um, you know, highly qualified position in the club world. And now she's retired, and she's vice president of RCLC Travel Solutions. And um, so what we're doing today, uh, together we do things. And uh, we're doing things to help her get her weight and things under control. And um, me too. Great. And it really does take, I feel like it's a, it's a constant effort, right? It's not something that you do once and then you're done or you do for like six months and then you're done it's really about and it sounds like what you did of changing your entire lifestyle right and then sticking to it and that's what makes that that long-term difference where like how you saw your um you were saying like your blood sugar it's called your a1c and you're seeing that number come down um into that like five range which is really phenomenal but it's, um, yeah, it's that consistency piece of it, too, which can get, that can honestly be the hardest part, like even harder than the initial change, is to stick with it. Well, I think uh, I was motivated. You know, the, those two changes, as opposed to the amount of corn and, you know, butter and salt that I, that I eat in the um, carnation uh, chocolate malt, those two things were choices. And... It wasn't hard to change them. I just knew I had to make an adjustment. Um, I, you know, the words I still use them today. I'm not going to turn into a cat, cat, carrot and uh, celery stick addict. I'm not going vegan. No. I'm going to live my life. I'm 70 years old and I got to where I am, uh, and I want to go farther. So I still look to make adjustments and improve what I do. And that's why we're, you know, happy to have you on the show today. And maybe there's some people that may listen in, and if they just hear that one thing, if you can make deliberately, I mean it intentionally, deliberately, make one change, then you can later on, it's easier to make another one without, you know, it's not such a grudge like learning to drive, ride a bike. If you haven't been on a bike in a long time, you rode one when you were 10, now you're in your whatever. Um, and, and you may not, and you may not want to do it. Here's the thing: you may not want to get back on the bike. Well, you know, I didn't want to yeah. give up. I love, I still love chocolate malt milkshakes, and once in a while I have one. But I don't, I don't have it in the house. And is that hard? No. One thing that I was able to do that made a difference uh, through this nutrition that we've been taking, the company, all the body key makes a. Um, a shake, a protein shake. And, you know, it's got 20 grams of protein, and it's got 25 vitamins and minerals, and it's got 5 grams of fiber. It's soy-free, gluten-free, no artificial colors, no artificial preservatives. It's kosher and hail. 
um, approved, it's scientifically formulated. And, you know, I remember. I, I, what's that? What was the brand? It's called Body Key. It's made by the Amway Corporation, Neutralite. Okay. And I, okay. I've, I've, I've had Neutralite food supplements in my diet for 40 years and still take them. I have my prescriptions to get out of the hospital. Uh, when I had my stroke, I had a nutritionist, and I had to read certain criteria. And uh, some of those things, were part of that was my maintaining. I have to, been heavy taking vitamin D. I have never stopped, never stopped. And, of course, when COVID hit, they wanted everybody to increase to make sure you have certain vitamins. I was taking those already at a, a pretty yeah, high level. Yeah, that's great. And so I didn't have to. I didn't have to change my diet, or we didn't have to go out and run to a drugstore and find out or a pharmacy and go to the grocery store and figure out what pill to take. Uh, we've been to about 14 or 15 actual um, seminars where the nutritional the people that presented the the seminars were certified in the area of what they talked about. And I find it so surprising. Someone will go down to the grocery store and uh, maybe they'll go to Walmart and buy, oh, they got this good place on a vitamin. That isn't what constitutes a vitamin. You can get a vitamin and all you're doing is you might as well take and swallow a rock because that's what it does in your well, system. There was, um, there was an issue a few years ago where um, some third party went and tested a bunch of different vitamins and they didn't have yeah. what they said they had in them. And I think, um, I think Mary and I touched on this in a previous episode too of supplement regulation, right? Because it's not, they don't have to be regulated the same way that our food is or that our medications are. Um, they're kind of left in this like nebulous gray area. And there is, um, I always double check because I always feel like I get it wrong. Is it USP, right? USP, US, yeah. USP is a standardization USP. organization. In fact, yeah. USP, what they did a few years ago, I was in printing and marketing the advertising for many years. And some of my clients were some of the largest clients in the world. No longer Kodak, obviously, anymore. But um, uh, the, uh, the, the vitamin company that's in all the malls, um, we used to call on them. They're out of Pittsburgh, and, and I used to provide them services. They got tested for their ginkgo bugdabol. I can't say the stuff. It's it's a it's a more of an herb supplement, but they it's found out it was imported. Yeah. yeah, it was imported from China, and one in three bottles had anything nutritional in it, and. Seven out of ten had, let's just say, they have a lot of animals in China, and uh, they they can sometimes put in their food as bulk, and there was a lot of food with it, and they were uncovered. They were fined almost like um, $500,000 a day that they got caught for having this product on the shelf, and uh, they had to complete general nutrition. Uh, centers and uh, they had to completely revamp and re and and they had to improve. But still, you you are absolutely correct. There is not a uh, there is not a certified locked in the only place you get it. Like when you buy a gallon of gas, every county in the United States of America has a certification. What you buy a gallon of gas? That's a gallon. They measure every yeah. month. They go and check, and you know you, you it is certified, and that's a run by the states and they have 
they have whole organizations that are employees and they're certified. If, if your gas doesn't pass a gallon of gas when you put it in the tank and they test it inside a gallon, you don't get shot, um, fine, you get shut down. They lose their license to sell. So vitamins and food supplements, that's not the case. But when I say the but, there are companies like, uh, I think it's Nature's Pride. There's a, there's a couple, Shackley, Amway, Neutralite. They have certified, they've produced their product at such a high level. They're they are at least prescription grade or higher level that if what they sell, they sell is what it is. Number two, it's certified to have in it what it's supposed to do. Now, they don't always tell you that there's a difference between I can take this vitamin and that vitamin, and one of them will go in your body and go into your body. And the other one will go right out of your body. So you got to be careful what you buy, what form it is in, in your pill you're taking or liquid you're taking. Those things, yeah. again, not regulated. So we're, I'm not trying to take the show over from this, but I want to say that I highly recommend that anybody take food supplementation because our food that we buy has either been growing in non it's worn out soil, folks. We've been, you know, 200 years, we've been growing the same things on the same plants, and then they supplement it sometimes with good nutritional uh, fertilizer, and sometimes, eh, I don't know. Well, do you want to live in the world yeah. that I don't know? Or, you know, it's like I drink, I'm a, I'm a water snob. I highly recommend everybody not to buy bottled water. Heck, most of the water people buy is nothing more than tap water that's gone through charcoal. And, yeah, it'll take the bad taste of chlorine out, but it doesn't, doesn't purify. There's nothing to protect you from viruses or bacteria. And if it's sat on a shelf in a warehouse for six months before you get it, what are you drinking? I mean, you wouldn't feed your family normally stale anything, but most people buy bottled water and it's stale. So what do you do? You should have a real filter that on the site deliver and utilize I got one that has a, a ultraviolet light. So not only does we kill bacteria and viruses, and we have a triple filtration on it. So when you come to my house, if water goes bad and they do it in our city, I can drink. How people come in my house, I can sell it. But anyways, the point is that you should always take do the best you can to provide your family with the purest. Isn't that what most mom and dad wants? for your family and your children? I think that. What do you think, Beth? Yeah. I think that a lot of times, too, um, and something I'm always very conscious of, is the fact that you also need to be able to do your best, right? And so if you can't buy, right, if there's a financial limitation to getting those things, how to do it instead and how to work around that how to make sure that you're getting in food that's still going to be nourishing for your family, even if it's not like what you would, what somebody else might consider to be the quote unquote best choice. There's still always the better choice. Um, and I find that there are a lot of people that feel really limited by the general like nutrition recommendations that get put out because they might not be able to afford it. And those people certainly still need to eat well um, and know how to do it and what to reach for on a budget, right? If, the, we're, if 
um, the general narrative is like, oh, here's like the dirty dozen list always comes out, right, of things that you should be buying organic. Now, I would never want that list to stop somebody from buying like whatever, like strawberries that are non-organic, right, because it's still going to have vitamins and minerals in it that that person needs. And arguably, organic doesn't have any more nutritional value, which I know we've touched on as well. Uh, what would yep. have more nutritional value is buying local. So I know you talked about, like, you think that everybody should be having some sort of supplementation. I don't agree with that. Um, what I typically push for is, if people can, to buy from local farmers. Uh, I know that in this area, I don't know about everywhere, but this area, farmers markets actually take um, SNAP and uh, EBT. So people that are on a reduced budget can still use any sort of like supplemental uh, nutrition assistance, right? That's what SNAP stands for, um, to buy local. And that local produce and local whatever other foods you're getting there will have more nutritional value in it than what you're finding in the grocery store. Uh, these farmers are taking care of their land differently than industrial farms, which is like what you touched on with the soil being different. Uh, and the food that they're bringing to market has been picked much closer to peak ripeness than what you're going to find in the grocery store. So our food in the grocery store is usually picked well, like our food, our produce specifically, is typically picked well before it's ripe. Right, and then it's ripening on a truck on its way to the store. Um, so you're not getting the full nutritional value that that food could provide, right? It's not, it hasn't reached its full potential. So you're I kind of getting a double whammy with if the soil is depleted as well as ripening on a truck, and you cut out both of those issues if you're going towards local farming. Uh, so I, I know that in in my area, like, we're definitely blessed with having two giant farmer's markets, so you can hit it on Saturday or Sunday or both, um, to be able to get that and have those resources. But I push, I tend to ask people to go towards local before going towards um, supplementation. Because what, um, what some studies have shown is that it's not, just one component in that food that's giving you the benefit. Sometimes it's the combination. So I know that there was a study done with the lysine content of tomatoes, right? So that's one of the antioxidants that's found in tomatoes, of trying to extract it and put it into a supplement and have it have people take it that way. And it doesn't have the same benefit as when you eat the full tomato. So there's something and this goes for other antioxidant compounds as well, but the tomato one always comes to mind for me. There's something about the combination of the way things are in the food that has the best benefit, right? Like once we as humans start getting too involved with it, we're losing some of it. Um, and that's not to say that supplements don't have a place because they certainly do, but I I almost almost never suggest like a blanket like multivitamin or something like that. Um, if somebody's already taking one, they're really like married to it and don't want to give it up, then sure, I mean, leave it. 
but generally, you're better off supplementing it with just what you need. With blanket supplements, you're honestly, you're creating really expensive tea, right? Most of the vitamins in there are water-soluble, so you're just going to pee out the extra. Yep. Um, well, you that or if your body doesn't absorb it when you're, you, you know, it doesn't absorb it, that moment when you take it, then, yeah, it's, you're just wasting a lot of money, and that's not a smart thing to do. That's not good stewardship with our bodies. You know, I was yeah. thinking back, you were talking about uh, the freshness with buying at the local farmer's level. My wife, uh, when in corporate level, she worked for one of the largest grocery chains in the Northeast. You've heard of it, Taps Markets, and... Uh, she worked for the she was assistant to the president of the company, and for 18 years. And so we got to see things involved and invited the different things over the years. And they have created a new warehouse uh, this number of years ago, uh, when they got by by a, um, a Dutch company, Ahold, and uh, that's the largest chain food chain in the world. And uh, anyways, uh, they had a freezer. Uh, they built a new freezer, giant. I'm talking almost a million square foot for refrigeration and freeze and all that stuff, food. And the bananas used to come in, and they would come in, and they were green. Picture the brightest green crayon yeah. that you could think of. And the bananas would come in, and then they would store them, and they gave them, of course, when they come in the timing. And then they would store them in the special room, and then they would put nitric oxygen in the gas into that room, and they pull them out, and they'd be yellow. They do the same oh, yeah, thing with oranges. Yeah. yeah, they do the same thing with oranges. And so people think there's a nice bright yellow orange and they think, wow, I got fresh. Now, I will tell you, uh, my best friend that was telling you about the founder of the Hope Collection, Joel and Arthur Griffin, lived in uh, or outside of Orlando, Howie in the Hills, and the orange groves were all around the golf course where they lived on. And uh, I always wanted to have my one of my life streams was to eat a fresh orange right off the vine because I had, I believe it had, and by the way, it poofed out. It had to taste different. It had to taste better. And so one day I pulled off the side of the road and I was afraid. I didn't want to go in, go up and get an orange and get shot by a farmer and think I'm stealing an orange. So I went to the guy's picking and I gave him 20 bucks and asked him to put, you know, I want to get some oranges. They emptied their bag in the back seat of the car. And I had, well, I had about three I had three bushels full of oranges in the back of our car. So we took them to Joel and Artis, and their daughter, Katie, is a juicer, and she knows how to really do that really well. And I had one of the best glasses of orange juice I ever had in my life. It is distinctly. Oh, nice. I can't put my finger on it, but I'll tell you what. It was so good. And uh, they didn't go to waste because Katie used it. She's got five boys. Um, so <laughs> they, they specialize in boys in the, that family. So five new griffings. So anyways, um, we got a chance to do this. So I did get a chance, my wife's dream of getting a fresh orange, real fresh orange. And uh, so I like orange. I like tangerines. I love clementines. No seeds, you know, just, but I, we we try and have those in our house. And raspberries are high vitamin C for Linda, who is a cancer, or we, uh, Victor, and she, you know, when I make sure every, I when I go to the store, I don't, we don't go through the, the vegetable department, I don't buy, grab a tub of um, organic raspberries for Linda every single time I go in. She sometimes, I'm sick, I don't know, and I, you know, she loves them, so it's not a problem. It's the kind of thing that we can choose. 
to do something. And, and instead of buying, Linda said to me one time when I was in the hospital, coming out of the hospital one of those times, she said, honey, you know, you got to realize that little Debbie is not your friend. <laughs> you have to realize. I'm like, oh. I drove her to work every day for, I don't know, we have been married 50 years come April. I drove her to work almost every day, and then after dropping her off, I had a habit. I had a cycle, and I'd go, and I'd stop off and get coffee or hot chocolate or breakfast at a little shop, known shop, and then I would stop, and I'd stop and get a pickup on the way home, go past the grocery store, and I'd get a box of Little Debbies, you know, and uh, mm. zebra cakes. I love zebra cakes. Well, guess what? They were killing me. I had yeah. to change. Oh, yeah, I, now when I look at a little Debbie display, you know, they used to be 50 cents, so you get two for a dollar. Now they're a buck a piece. So that really, that now I got justification. <laughs> I can't, I waste, I'm going to waste it. I mean, it's like someone goes by, and, you know, $10 for a pack of cigarettes. I don't know if that does, that alone, if that doesn't make somebody quit smoking, just think in a week, in a month, you know, if you didn't smoke, if you smoke and you stop smoking, you got enough money to pay for a vacation, to go around and go somewhere in the world. I mean, a real vacation. That's smoking. I've never Does been it. a smoker, so I honestly, like, have no concept of how much cigarettes cost. I didn't, my parents weren't smokers either, but I know it's expensive, but it's like, and I'm sure that plenty of people listening can totally conceptualize how much that is, but it's one of those things that I just, I've never yeah. really experienced because even my parents weren't smokers. Well, I lost my dad at 48 years of age, and he had incredible high blood pressure that the, our doctor. I just remember the day that we were there and dad was getting a physical, and he had gone blind over the weekend sitting reading the newspaper, and we went in. I remember Dr. Stinson, Charlie, an old southern Southern uh, doctor from South Carolina, and he threw a stethoscope across the room. He was so ticked off, his blood pressure was so out of whack, and he had he did have a stroke. And um, I just remember he smoked four packs, five packs of cigarettes a day. And uh, my sister is like, both. On... Is it Go more ahead. than five dollars a pack at this point? Like I don't know. Yeah, they're ten. They're ten dollars a pack. I mean, oh my God! If you, yeah, do you realize when you start adding it up? Let's say you're taking a carton. Do you realize what you smoke in a week? You can pay for a car. See, if That's, you understand, I might start pretending that I'm a smoker just to save. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm not mocking anybody that's smoking, and you know they want to quit, and they that's just rough. haven't been able to. You just have to really determine that. Well, if you have to replace what what it is that you're getting from a cigarette, well, what can I have if I stopped? What can I do for my family? So, who's who's the most, what's the most important person in your life? What could you do for them if you took that money and gave it, put it together and saved it and used it for that person you loved? So you accomplish two things if you do that, changing the habit. Number one, you're doing something for somebody else, which is serving, yeah. which is one of God's blessings. And you, God will more than bless you if you do that because of what you're doing. You, that's changing a habit. That's creating a more healthy environment for you to live 
and live better and longer. Number two, you're less likely to burn your house down or burn everybody else up. You're less likely to have anybody say, gee, you stink. Today, it's not, people won't, they'll just tell you. You know, you're in a crowd of people, and they're going to look. They won't even be nice about it. They'll look at you, sniff the nose, and make a face. That I call that it's, embarrassment. Um, now, maybe we we can we today. There are a lot of good things that have come out of being um, free to say a lot of things that we wouldn't say. But you know, I just want to say, say that thinking about what I've done with issues that I deal with in my life is. Uh, Joel Griffin taught me this. You replace a habit with something else that's more rewarding, rewarding than the habit I have. That not as a benefit from to me. It may end up doing that. But if I do something that my wife is going to benefit and her life is going to improve, I put a smile on her face, give her joy. If what I'm doing detracts from my ability to do that. That's the power I can use to change. That's how I do it. And that's no, I'm not. Yeah, there's a lot of that, like behavior change mentality that I use, right? Getting people to make really, honestly, eventually very big behavior changes that we do in little steps. But um, one of the first things I usually ask is, why are you here? What do you want out of this? What is your goal? And if people are like, oh, I just I want to be healthier, I want to lose weight, I'm like, that's not – we can run with that for now, but that's not your ultimate goal. And then it gets down to, like, I want to be able to go on hikes with my kids. I want to get on the floor and play with my grandkids. Like, there's typically some other motivating factor that involves, like, the people that they love, right, or a fear of dying. Um, but then – using that motivating factor of like, okay, you're not necessarily doing it for just yourself. You're doing it for the people around you too. And it helps build in a little bit of accountability um, and motivation. And we tend to be more motivated to do things for other people um, than just for ourselves a lot of times. And even if it's, even if somebody doesn't come up with that, the mindset I try to get them to implement is like, doing it for a future version of themselves. Um, Like what would future you want, right? Future you wants to be able to move around easily. Future you wants to, you know, be able to go up and down the stairs without being winded or like have that blood pressure under control and get off the medication or not feel limited by your diabetes, things like that. And then, Sometimes that's enough of a separation from who they are currently and who they want to become that you can, like, do it for the future version of yourself. So it's interesting that, like, you come up with that topic, too, of, like, doing it for other people because it does make a big difference in, like, that motivation piece of really any behavior change, which is – and I hear quitting smoking is harder than changing your food habits for anybody out there that's trying to compare them. Yeah, that is without question. That's a very tough situation and, and challenge for for people to deal with. There's whole industries that have been built, um, and I sometimes think some of them are really there to. Yeah, there's a company, and there's a lot of people got jobs, and a lot of people that are working, and they support and could be in, in the biggest amount of the money they use is in marketing and advertising. What are they accomplishing? In many cases, not a whole lot. I always like to check out any company 
that's supposedly purporting to do something for somebody, how much of their budget is actually put hand-in-hand working directly to the person they're working to help? In most cases, you'll find, particularly if it's a government-affiliated, about 20% of it is actually applied to the cause. Most of it is just a self-promotion to make himself valuable and more bigger and more widely known. And um, that's sad yeah. because that takes away from our ability to help people, which we're oriented to doing. Yeah, it's very much, yeah, that's how I ended up on this podcast, right, uh, on this radio show, is Mary and I ended up talking over Facebook Messenger one night, and it was so much about, like, how to help other people, Um and then she's like, you should come on and just do one show. And then one show turns into, hey, let's do this every week. <laughs> well, I think what you're talking and here we about, are. well, what you've been sharing, what you brought to the table today is extremely important and appreciate it. By the way, if anybody else would like to uh, uh, sign in, you know, Mary has created our website. It used to be just on the uh, blog radio uh, platform, which was invented by a gentleman named Bill Walk, and uh, I can talk. He, he was just in tr- he, nobody knows about Bill Walk. Him and his father. Do you ever remember TV Guide? He invented it. Oh yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember uh, the Thymaster? That was the first company yeah. to make a million dollars of business through an info commercial on television. Bill Walk. Are you kidding me? Do you know? I'm not kidding you. Uh, do you know the coupons when you go to buy a can of tomatoes paste at the grocery store? It's got a barcode on it. That whole system yeah. of information transfer and development and uh, what they call database marketing all came from Pearl Walk. Let's just say he was fairly well off. Unfortunately, he passed oh, away sure. a couple years back. And we knew him personally. He was a supporter. And this show actually is of the result. The platform we operate on was invented by Burl Walk and his father. And so his reach out in the community, his his theme was make this a better world. And that's how this show has developed and evolved. And so Mary has taken it. She is by hand, by far. She's one of the board members of the Hope Collection. Um, our theme song, I know many times we have a theme song sung by her, her um, Mary's daughter, Ariana. She, I call her the princess. Uh, she's won my heart over, and we met her this summer when they were in Buffalo for the Memorial Day service. But Mary is just incredibly talented in working in the Internet world and websites and information and information transfer. And she is yeah. so connected. She also has become a cert- she's certified counselor in the areas of particularly children and you know, children adults with autism. She has two children yep. who are. But you know what? I'll, her kids, I saw her with 40 kids this summer at my home. We had 40 kids. When, I didn't have a swing set. I didn't have a swimming pool. I didn't have real games. It was our house, and they had a, a, a bucket of chalk. 40 kids for four and a half, five hours played together. Not one fight, not one screaming, not anything. No, no, when nobody crying, the thumb in their mouth, and all this. Or that. Nothing. And one of the reasons was Mary, of course, she's the scoutmaster of the group, and she brought them from the – they came 14 hours in a van to come to Buffalo to participate in the Memorial Day service. 
and they said the pledge. These kids said the pledge of allegiance on stage that day. And Ariana and her brother David, I call them a dynamic duel. And it's Luke Luke Skywalker and the princess. And uh, these kids, I I'll tell you what I know what I know a lot of kids that their parents would say are, uh, that are normal that aren't, and her kids are incredible. How she is guiding them, and right now, as a matter of fact, Ariana's being recognized and helping at a church service for the seniors. And that's why she wasn't able to be on the call today. And Ariana was there, and she's representing the Boy Scouts, and they have a sale and popcorn and all that stuff. They're fun. They're, they're scouts. And uh, so we're encouraging everybody on the phone. If you want to help something, help a group. Mary's, Mary Stanley, her husband Andy, is helping the kids and the scouts together with Ariana and, and David to raise funds for the scout troop. And if you want to get a hold of them, please do. And um, so we as an organization, I hope, and individuals are supporting it. And that's why she wasn't here today. But I'm getting it recorded, the presentation that she's going to make. Oh, she'll be a little cool. She got me a little salesman this morning. So I'm starting to get us <laughs> off track a little bit from, from the topic and the scope of your me. Uh, today you, you brought some, you know, they always can give out nuggets of gold. And Beth, that's what you're doing on these shows. You've done it today. And I hope nobody feels like you. you. See, sometimes when we announce that we're going to have a show like this, somebody thinks that we got somebody coming on board and going to lecture you and how you're going to do this, you're going to do that, or you're going to die. And, and or else, nah. you know, what we do is we hope people will receive charity done in good faith. And in your case, there's certification with what you've done, what you're doing and saying. It's not an accident. And neither is good health. And so I want to thank you. I hope that you'll continue. I think in the future you might be, if you haven't already met my wife, my wife may be helping out. She's um, My wife does an incredible job. She hosts a Saturday morning. We have a review show on Saturday morning for the members of the oh, whole. Okay. Anybody that wants who can be on the show, it's uh, 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. A lot of people just don't want to get up that early, but I can't help. That's okay. the window we I have. I have two children. We're already up. Yeah. So you're always welcome to call in. And what we do is it's sort of like a testimony Saturday. Joel used to call it Coach's Corner. And um, what I've done is trying to carry on when artists asked me to um, return. And I was I had stepped down to be the president of the organization for a couple of years. And then she asked me to come back and take it over when Joel passed away and is dancing in heaven today. And his dream was to have this show, like we're doing today as an outreach, to continue making a difference in people's lives. And it's people like you that help us to do that because we're not hope is sometimes I get contacted very regularly by people that want us to write them a check or support their project they're doing. We will do that. We will promote. You can advertise your services on our show. On our, we have um, we, the Hope Collection. We have a website. Right now it's under reconstruction, and it's about, about uh, two weeks it'll be ready. And we're expanding, and we let people who become approved and certified through, we use this as a filter. And uh, we will allow companies or organizations or individuals to promote on our website because we want people to know what you know. 
And now that we're on 15 platforms a day, every day, you don't see everybody that's on that's here incredible. what's on the show today. But we're in 90 countries. I think it was last count, 90 different countries we can count that, that have called in and, and listened in. or went, We're archived. By the way, every show is archived. And so we, yes, can, and we can go back. I know that's big for um, some of my followers. Other places have listened to those replays, right, going on like Spotify or Apple Podcasts and being able to listen to the replays. Um, has been really right. helpful for them if they can't call in during the day. Well, it gives legitimacy to the point that it's not just you and I, you know, not just you and I talking together and having a nice conversation. And we're reaching out to make a difference and adding things. We're in the process of adding value. Um, I, we have one program I'll just share with you because you are concerned about nutrition and the health of people. We have a program called Call a Doctor, and Call a Doctor is a program that if a mother, let's say, I'm going to use an example, so this is I'm covering, and I have to use a little generalities. Let's say you got a mom who doesn't have a car, who has some children, and, you know, she, she maybe doesn't have a full-time job. She may not have a job at all, and she doesn't have a lot of resources. When one of those kids gets sick, I mean sick, I'm not talking about just a sniffle or something, I mean get sick. Well, the solution usually is to get a neighbor or a local jitney to take them to the uh, taxi cab if they can find the funds to go to the hospital. And then they sit there all day and they're the last person, I know they might get there first, but they're the last people to get served. And the people are all ready mm-hmm. to go home, their shift is over, and that's the person they get to take take care of their sick child. So they're not necessarily getting priority of getting their health in their family and their, their children done. So what's, well, what's the answer? How do you solve that? Well, if someone has insurance and they got that, they can just go to the hospital. Well, that's fine, but not everybody is working for a big corporation that's got those kind of policies. Well, what we have is call right. a doctor. Call a doctor. You can call, get a board-certified, active, legal-certified doctor to review with your mother, the mother on the computer, grandma, and meet and introduce the child. And the doctor, first in priority is that doctor, for an instant, in senses that child in danger, excuse me, in danger, they have the right to call 911 right then and have that child picked up and taken to the hospital. The doctor has, okay. that's their first, second step is, they can talk and get information if the mother decides or has access to get the information records to the doctor before he makes a uh, diagnosis. She could, they can do that. You know, they're talking. It's them directly with the doctor, not you and me, not a bureaucrat, not somebody else handling the case. No, live right then and there. So the doctor makes a decision, says your son or daughter needs this medicine. Well, I I don't have a car. And, okay, well, guess what? The way it's set up is the call doctor will have the doctor prescribes at a, whoever their pharmacy is or closest one to them, get it and deliver it to the house. Oh, very cool. That's the responsibility. Now, to get a program like that, how much do you think that insurance would cost to have that on a policy? I, It would be... I mean, especially if you're talking about, like, uh, one-off deliveries from a pharmacy, I imagine it's quite expensive. 
Yeah. Well, you know, the government charges you 400 hours for a year, a month, and they call it free. And that's just passed on yeah. to taxpayers, but it's not free. And it isn't any good either. I had it because the government forced me at the time to have it. And I had to have an EK or an eight, whatever that, that testing where they put you on the treadmill and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, no, no, the other yeah. one we do treadmill testing. Um, that was $2,500. Now, I was already paying $400 a month for insurance. Guess what? I didn't yeah. qualify to cover it. So, I, basically, what was I doing? Throwing money away, and I wasn't getting healthier. Yep. But they claimed that I was getting a particular government program. Well, guess what? That's what everybody has that they use. Well, what we have is a program. That mother, 800 number, call the service. It's $18 of use. Not a policy, not a month, not every day, not every week, not a month. It's eighteen dollars oh, a year. That's right. Oh wow. Yeah. We can have Yeah, that's definitely helping improving access. In in America there is not a single reason for one parent child ever to not be looked at by a doctor. None. None whatsoever. There's no excuse. We have the resources everywhere okay. in this country right now to have that happen. And it's only because different organizations, particularly your benefit companies, organizations that claim that they're helping people, all their money goes for uh, weekly salaries and overhead for buildings and uh, computer systems and new advertising campaigns and mm-hmm. bonuses. And you got to pay for that doctor's trip to the Caribbean uh, when it gets cold. And you know what? People suffer. And you see, what we did is we yeah. had a company. We've got another program. It's called Easter Seals. We, the Easter Seals provides, like, I, I spoke. I'm going to use an example. Beth. I spoke in a church. I, I'm a Gideon. I talk in churches on a fairly, I used to talk on a fairly regular no basis. And that Sunday morning at this church in Syracuse. And uh, I was there, and I gave my speech for the Gideons. And when I was done, on the way in, a family came in an old broken-down uh, van held together with duct tape. And the father got out of the, the van and went to the back and pulled out a wheelchair that was held together with duct tape. So he carried the child out of the seat. kid obviously couldn't walk, put him in this wheelchair held together with duct tape, took him into church. We had the service. After service, I very politely and carefully asked them a question. I said, uh, do you have access? Maybe it was obviously needed. He needed a wheelchair that would work. Well, he yeah. said, well, see, I own, I'm a plumber and I own this business and I don't qualify. There, everything, every place I ever tried to get any help, um, United Way, anybody, I, no, I can't. I said, can you get a prescription from your, his doctor that he has to have a wheelchair? And he said, I can get one tomorrow morning, it was Sunday. So then next morning, he called me and we got the doctor, and I called Easter Seals. And Easter Seals out of Rochester, New York, on Wednesday, delivered to this family a brand new motorized wheelchair. No charge, oh, awesome. no bureaucracy, no bullshit. No, I'm sorry, I get a little emotional about this because I'm sick and tired of everybody that walks around and says that. We don't have people who care. We don't have organizations. And we're not a country that doesn't take care of its own. We can and we do. And we're making a difference everywhere in the United States. Our voices today are going around the world. And I can only pray that someone will hear from us and know that the Hope Collection, people like you, Beth, 
and your work and your efforts all contribute to making this a better world. And we don't talk about it, we do it. And that's what makes the Hope Collection and my commitment for my life, what I do. And uh, Joe created this. Our theme is helping others by helping them help others. See, everybody helps somebody sometime, and that's okay. It's good. But when you can help and learn and give somebody else the tools to help themselves to help others, now we're multiplying the gift of giving. We're multiplying the gift of take care of those, love mine, and I love you. See, it's a golden rule all over again. And we live it, we work it, we do it, and that's what our, that's what our existence is. So I appreciate your being on today. You're welcome. I look forward to you coming on the future shows, and uh, I hope that you I hope you're taking the step to go online and join thehopecollection.com and register. And uh, we're in the process. Mary's just about done with a newsletter. We're going to start putting out in that newsletter, Beth. You'd be able to print an article on that. It'll be a uh, it'll oh, be an cool. um, online newsletter, uh, uh, monthly monthly one right now to start. But uh, we're collecting to have, and you can have a column. And uh, that would be yeah. an incredible thing. And, uh, you can just provide that to Mary, and she's following through with that. So I'm just, see, I'm, see I just, <laughs> I set her up again. <laughs> no, she's doing this already. We've already talked about it. So I just want okay, you to know. Okay, wait, are you going to surprise that? her with this? No, no, no. But, uh, she, she knows she knows how I operate and how we operate. And, um, you know, when you have, I had a good, uh, again, my best friend, Joel, he not only was my business partner, and he was for 40 years, he was my spiritual mentor. He was my business partner, my best friend. And we built things and we built things and done things that nobody thought could ever happen. But with God's help, we can achieve anything. And we don't have, we don't believe yeah. that it can't. Peg can't use the word can't on our phone, car calls. doesn't exist. <laughs> so what we're about is making a difference. It's something I can get excited about. I can get out of bed every day because of it. And I'm, I'm more excited right now. You wouldn't know that I've been on my back for two weeks. I, had, I thought I broke my hip. Now, actually, oh, no. I didn't do that. But I was forced for two weeks to lay flat in bed. And uh, today, I'm actually, I drove my car this morning. I went to the grocery store. Um, Linda went out to go out for lunch with the girls, and I found her to have some money. So I went and got her some money. And um, we just didn't have it in the house, so I wanted to have that. So I drove down. I hadn't done that in two weeks. But, you know, I can still get on this call and make a difference to somebody. And it's really, really good. It's not about me. I'm just... It's what we're doing to help you and others. I really, I appreciate it, and I love being a part of it. Um, I do need to jump off. I've got some people to see this afternoon. Okay. Great. But thank you for having me on. Well, you're welcome. We look forward to more. And everybody, look forward to seeing the rest of the week. We've got a lot of other great shows all week long planned. So super duper. Thank you. Thank you again. Yeah, have a great day.